Welcome to the Holes of Remark podcast show, and today I am talking to Sarah St- Stream. Sarah is a paranormal investigator, researcher, photographer, and founder of the Paramania team. She's been interested in all sorts of things paranormal since a young age. She's been investigating for two years and travels the Midwest states investigating haunted locations. Her passion is discovering the history surrounding locations and documenting their past in photographs. And hi, can you tell me a little bit more about how you're you're interested in documenting the past? Uh, Yeah, so I've been doing this for a couple of years now, and uh, for me it's almost like a murder mystery novel. Um, I hear the stories, and I go to these locations, and I see what's standing now, whether that's a building or just ground, and I want to find out more, so... It's been a lot of fun researching those places. Do you find it helpful when you do come to do your paranormal investigation of the place? Yeah, absolutely. Um, learning the history helps a lot. Um, and a lot of the places I go to have a dark history attached to them, whether it was abuse or neglect or murder um, and knowing that history kind of prepares me to go in to investigate. Have you had any paranormal experiences yourself that have scared you or place that you've been that's really scared you? Um, no, not as of yet, but I have been told that I have a clinical absence of fear. I, I don't get scared very easily, so uh, dark, creepy places don't bother me. Being alone in those places don't bother me. Um, I have had uh, paranormal experiences that have happened to me personally. I've been scratched and choked and um, kind of taken over by an entity and those sorts of things have happened, but none of it's really scared me up to now. What inspired you to get into paranormal in the first place? Uh, I've always been interested in it since I was a little girl. Uh, A lot of other little girls would read books about fairy tales and their prince in shining armor, and I would read Edgar Allan Poe. And I've just always been fascinated with those dark places, and the paranormal and the unknown has always really fascinated me. I see you've got a Luigi ball in your picture that you sent me. I was reading today about how the Ouija board is affected by oidometer effect, which basically okay. means our body has int- uh, our subconscious gives us involuntary movements. And whilst we're we're do- doing the Ouija board, you you subconsciously your body's moving the pachetta to the letters. It's only a theory. Yeah. Um, So I've heard that before. Um, For me personally, when I use the Ouija board, I hover over the planchette. I don't actually touch it. So there's no chance of that happening. Because I know it came from the Confederate War. When I looked up the history of the Ouija board, it's quite interesting. It, It initially started off as a... Well, a, a parlour game, I would say, as a, a means of communication, as such. 
yeah, it's got a very interesting history. Um, and there have been uh, a lot of stories of, I don't know if you've ever heard the story of Patience Worth, who was a housewife from St. Louis who um, actually did Ouija board sessions and ended up writing books from her Ouija board sessions. And I think, I believe it was in the 20s that this happened. She began, became very famous for it. Um, so it's just fascinating, the Ouija board. It's like, but a bit the, like the history of Harry Houdini. I find him a very interesting man. Although he went around the world trying to debunk mediums and such, uh, spiritualists and such, he was a, a devout spiritualist himself. Right. Yes, very interesting. And I think he clashed with... Oh, sorry, you go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, I myself am quite a skeptic when it comes to that sort of stuff. I really try to look at stuff with a from a scientific standpoint and if I can prove it wrong then I'm going to try to but I have seen some things that I cannot prove wrong It's like everything I, I, I'm, I mean I come from the world of cryptozoology originally so obviously right. y- you you have to do a lot of research anyway Right, absolutely And, and um, before you have a theory I mean obviously sometimes your theory can be debunked and I don't mind that that's, that's okay by me but um yeah, I agree that the research is key, and I think sometimes that, that science and uh, people who are able to see or hear ghosts should be intertwined more. I think it's happening more in paranormal groups as such. I think it is as well. Um, I know quite a few groups that have psychics or mediums that are on their teams, and um, I don't claim to have any of those powers at all, but I have seen them do amazing things. Um, they come into a location and um, they don't they don't do any background research or they don't get the historical tour or anything like that, and they can start naming names and describing people, and um, they're very accurate. So it just fascinates me. I've got a theory, and I, I've told this people theory to a lot of people, that most of our ability to see cryptoids or UFOs or paranormal, it comes from early man, because early man had to be perceptive to the environment he was in at the time. So he had heightened, heightened uh, senses. And I think that ability is still in us. And some people are more, more able to tap in it to, than others. Yeah, I think that makes sense. It absolutely makes sense. And I think that as people are in this field, they start to develop those abilities as well. Um, Like I said, I don't claim to be a psychic or a medium at all, but I have gotten weird feelings that have ended up being correct, or um, I have strange dreams, and they end up coming true. So... I think that the longer that a person does this stuff, the more open they become and the more practice they have with it. So they start to develop those abilities. I quite I agree with that because I I, I had I I've had in my life a ne- a near death experience, 
and after that I I don't see anything or hear anything. I sometimes get very strange aromas. Like it's from the death or strawberries or things like that. It's something that it isn't in place in the house. And right. I, occasionally when I do podcasts, things go wrong for no reason. They've worked all okay all day, and then suddenly I go to do a podcast concerning a paranormal, and suddenly everything plays up. Well, I I always tell so I have this really good friend that owns a haunted location. And I would consider it to be the, one of the most haunted locations in Iowa that I've ever been to. And he's always like, he'll call me and he'll be like, nothing's going right today. The lights keep turning on and off and the doors keep opening and my phone keeps cutting out. And I'm like, do you expect anything different being where you're at? Do you think they're mischievous? Do you think they like trying to say, like, like, this, like to say we're here? We can't actually talk oh, yeah. to you at the moment, but we'll make sure that we know we're present. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, especially in this particular location. Um, it's almost like they're toddlers. Like, they like to play with you, and they like to push your buttons. Um, they like to play hide-and-seek. Uh, I'll show up there, and... Uh, unlock the doors and I know no one has been there all day and go upstairs and the attic door is open and the light is on and it's just like saying come see me I think so, sometimes when you tell people these things they say oh yeah okay but like you say until you've actually experienced it yourself and and, and it's yeah. no, no, not, not bad being a skeptic it, that's what makes you more believable in the paranormal world because you've got to be a skeptic Right, right. Oh, yeah, people call me crazy all the time. Um, most of the time I get, oh, my gosh, you're crazy, but that's so interesting. Um, and so then they continue to ask questions, and then they want to experience it themselves. Um, so I welcome people to come with me on investigations, <laughs> especially the skeptics. Yeah. Um, now, when... Do, what sort of procedures do you use when you do your investigations? Um, so, I have a very small team. It's just me and uh, my one other teammate. And um, we will do a lot of EVP sessions with the digital recorder. Um, we have an infrared camera that we use. Um what else do we do? We've got some like EMF detectors and meters that we'll use. And then um, I like to use my pendulum personally. Um, my partner thinks I'm crazy, but he's always fascinated when we get good answers. So, you know, there's that aspect of it as well. And um, if we're feeling really crazy and we're in a location that we're comfortable in, we'll get out the Ouija board. I presume you have a thing called ley lines in you <clears throat> in America as well. Now I find that a lot of um, paranormal, cryptid, um, UFO, Bigfoot, all connected somehow on on these lines. It's not a scientific report, but I found that personally. Yeah, um, it happens to uh, it happens to happen quite often around here, actually. 
Um, there are actually three very haunted locations just right in my area that all are connected by ley lines and the railroad, coincidentally. Perhaps it was built that way because people saw the ley lines and thought, oh, that was, that's a handy way to build it. Right, right. And um, actually, the I don't know if you've ever heard <coughs> of the Villisca Axe Murder House. No. Okay, so it's, it's a very famous house in the United States. Uh, in 1912, uh, an unknown murder broke into a far, small farmhouse and murdered five children and their parents with an axe, covered all the mirrors, and they never found him. Um, so it's kind of like that creepy horror story that you tell your kids. Um, but the, the house itself still stands and is very active, and it's connected by ley lines. It's about 45 minutes away from me. Um, it's connected by ley lines and the railroad to the two other locations, um, so there are a lot of theories that the killer traveled and stayed at these other locations during the murders. It's a bit like Jack the Ripper, when there's lots of theories about Jack the Ripper. I read one recently right. that Jack the Ripper was a woman. Yeah, I've heard that theory. Well, it's not a new one, obviously, but I, I could see where they was going, but I think... It, Jack the Ripper's case is more famous just because of the gruesomeness of the last murder. When he, right. he, I think that, that that's what makes it the most famous, why it was most famous. Right. Right, people seem to gravitate towards the gruesome stories and murders. And I don't know why. It's just human fascination. But as, a, as a species, we're fascinated by morbid events. Right. You've only got to have a car crash or a plane crash. You see loads of people turn up. Right. But nobody <laughs> wants to help, but everyone wants to watch. <laughs> yeah. And uh, do you find that when you're um, going around and you're checking all your checks, that, uh, for I presume you check to see if there's any electrical disturbances before you do EVPs and stuff like that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Do you find sometimes that you know that you're being followed? Yeah, um, I have those feelings quite often. Um, and I'm also the one on our team. I get touched a lot. Um, and I don't know why they like me more than they like my partner. But I'll get grabbed or poked or, you know, touched quite often. Like, I'll, I'll feel like somebody's behind me and then it'll touch my back or my arm um and i do get those like the feeling of uneasiness quite often as well like you're being watched i think it's probably because the ghosts have seen that you are acceptable to them you they can contact you in some way and i think that that's what they're trying to do yeah i think so I mean, no, but people... My partner gets upset. <laughs> Pe- My partner gets upset because they'll touch me and they'll not touch him. <laughs> well, you know, it, perhaps it's just because they like females and not males. I don't know. <laughs> it, it could be, right. I've heard it quite often about scratches and people pulling your hair. Like you say, it's almost like a childish thing, as if... Like, you know when you're at school 
and some kids trying to grab your attention because you're not listening to them. Right. Um, well, I think that sometimes it's like that. They're just trying to get your attention. I think that other times it can be malicious. Um, I had an experience um, in a location that I investigate quite often where I felt like I was being choked, like I felt pressure around my neck. And when I came downstairs, I had red marks on my neck. Uh, and over the course of the next two weeks, I continued to investigate in that particular room and set up more advanced equipment. And we got out an SLS camera, which is um, off of the Xbox Connect. It maps out forms, human forms. Um, and I got SLS footage of somebody standing over me and then leaning over me and grabbing onto my neck. So I feel like that wasn't just, hey, I'm here, pay attention to me. That was a little more malicious. Something's trying to choke me. Well, it's like everything. In it, as humans, we're all good and bad. And as ghosts, we probably stay the same as what we were when we were alive. Oh, yeah. There are evil people in this world, and I'm sure there are evil ghosts or, you know, people have a lot of different names for them, but, um, yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes we get evil ghosts mixed up with demons. I'm not saying that demons don't exist. I I do believe demons exist, because without good you can't have bad. But I I think proper hardcore demonic possession would be a lot more worse than that oh yeah absolutely um and i get that all the time from people oh my gosh it was a demon and i'm like don't say the d word (laughs) you're gonna start something with like the way social media is it's just gonna blow up Uh, but yeah i don't think that i've never come into contact with anything that i would consider a demon um I'm sure I've come into contact with something evil or bad or malicious, but not necessarily a demon. Well, I've read a lot about the exorcisms, and I've read about the cases, famous cases, like the one behind the exorcist, which is not a, not a girl, it's a boy. And apparently, I think he had over 70 exorcisms before, well, he's not cured, though, I won't use that word. But he gets less, apparently. And right. I find it ironic that the church, who says that demons and evil and ghosts don't exist as such, but they have a unit that in the Vatican that deals with exorcisms. Right. It is very ironic. It's like It's almost like the government saying that aliens don't exist and then they have... A base that they don't let anybody on that's area 51 um it's almost like they're sheltering the general public and this, i think this adds to the um appeal as such yeah it's it's an interest of the unknown i think well it well it's the final beyond i always well i do use the star trek quote it's the final frontier that no one knows what's at the end of it, as such. We all got a version of what we think it is. 
And we all have a different theory what we think God is or what it could be. I mean, my theory is that he's like a energy of light. And then when we die, we join him like our light force joins him like a hive. And we all become like a hive mind. But that's my theory. Right. Yeah, I think that it is um, us seeking that validation of whatever we think the other side is um, and I don't know that anybody will ever find that out or even that we're meant to know but it's very interesting to me that we can communicate with people or entities or whatever you want to call them that are no longer alive so there's got to be something on the other side well, I honestly believe so, because I've talked to other people like me who've had near-death experiences. Not the same as mine, but we all feel like we've touched something. You can't explain it. You, you know, you feel like you've, you've reached out, touched something that you don't know quite what it was. But you, and you, you know it's out there. And they all say similar things, you know, tunnels and all that. But... You know, I, 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 I think that I'm not saying that people need to go through a drastic experience to feel that way. But sometimes events in life draw, draw us to the paranormal, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a very interesting theory. Um, I know quite a few people that... Um, they have actually been, um, they were addicts, um, whether it was alcohol or drugs or whatever, and um, they ended up having a near-death experience, and that spurred them to get into the paranormal and got them clean. I don't, I don't disbelieve that. I really don't. I... I... I would think it's because they, because of that experience, if they think, oh, this is my life. Oh, I better do something about it. Right. Right, and I'm still alive, so mm. make the best of it. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, I don't know what you think about reincarnation, but I, I, I don't really, I'm not too sure. I'm more along the Buddhist line that little bits of us go along, you know, bits that we don't learn. We get a chance to go back and we learn it. But that's right. a, that's about as far as I believe reincarnation is. I, I'm not too sure that we fit our soul physically comes back in another being to go through all that pain and agony all over again. I'm not too sure about that. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of I believe that there's another believe that because I always say to people when when you look back in your life you reflect you're not the mark you, like I'm not the mark I was when I'm 18 now that I'm 50 plus you know I'm not that same mark I I, right. I if I talked to myself then I would be disagreeing with myself a lot and I think that's how you progress in life 
Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think it's the same way as you progress through different lives as well. I, I, I think that when we, if, when we go to heaven, I think it's the heaven that we want. Our version of the heaven. I don't think there is one heaven as such. I think you're allowed to tap into what you perceive as heaven. Or, the other way, what you perceive as hell, I presume. Right. Yeah, I would believe that. Um, you know, as, as kids were taught, you know, heaven is a place in the clouds and there are angels and all that fun stuff and hell is underground and fire and brimstone. But I believe that when we pass on, we do go to our own version. And I think that some of the spirity, spirits and entities that we can contact now are are experiencing that as we're contacting them. Um, I have, I've had an experience with a child entity, a little girl, who um, was living in a small town at this hotel, and the hotel was like the happy place of the community. It's a community center. They had weddings and parties there. And her home life was not good. And she ended up uh, hanging herself by her jump rope in her closet and passed away. And now her spirit haunts the hotel. And she likes to play. You can hear her footsteps running up and down the halls. And you can hear her say, come play with me. Um, But I feel like that's her happy place. That was where she was happiest when she was alive. So that's where she came back to. Yeah, and probably the same could be said when you go to a darker place. Right. Perhaps that's their version of their hell. Ironically, that same location has some very dark entities. That um, There were murders committed there and abuse and neglect when it was a nursing home. So there's there's a happy little girl and there's some very dark people there. I think you have to have both. I think, I honestly believe you can't have one without the other. Right. Right, it's like, how can you know what dark is without the light? I think that's the only way you learn it, because, well, I've got a controversial theory. Well, it's controversial to some people. Are you ready for this? (laughs) Right, Right, okay. God is schizophrenic. Why is he schizophrenic? That makes perfect sense. <laughs> because cause if you look at the Bible, we are made in God's image and we are both good and evil. So I think he is both. I don't believe there's not such a thing as a devil. I think there is a devil. But I think he is the version of the devil himself. He can be both. Yeah. He can flip. Just like... Just like every person has a little bit of good and a little bit of evil, and it depends what you feed. <laughs> if you're going to end up good, if you're going to end up bad. Uh, but yeah, that's a fantastic theory. Well, I've been thinking about, it and I think, I think, I, I think, I've self, I think, well, I, I reckon it could be possible because we always say the devil. We, we see the God as the white, well, white-haired man with the beard. That's a traditional image. And the devil with the horns and the goat-like features. No one can actually say they know that this is what they look like. This is what we've been told. 
through images and films and stories and books and photos and our, our minds have been brainwashed in a way. Right. Yeah, I have, I have a lot of issues with modern organized religion just because of that, just because of the, the conditioning. I see it as almost cult-like behavior, I guess. Not to the extreme of some of the major cults that are out there, but, I mean, for me, I don't have to go to church and listen to somebody tell me how to live my life and about God and about all of that. I can go out and sit in the woods and find it myself. Well, I saw a program some time ago about the female disciples of Christ. It was on BBC. Uh, it was on the Channel 4 on English television. And it was said about Emperor Constantine wrote, wrote, wrote them out of the Bible and basically wrote out all the pagan ev- ev- evidence there was that connected with the Bible and wrote it as a male version of the Bible and took and did it how he wanted it to receive and this is the this is the version we've we know now yeah i would believe that and and even that version that was rewritten as male disciples has been rewritten and edited and pieces have been cut out of it over the last 2000 years by the churches by the people in power and they've used it as a bargaining tool to threaten the masses and make them behave. Well, it's easy to if you don't behave, then you're going to go to hell. Well, it's easy to use a text out of anything and read into it what you like. Right. I mean, you can quote anything and you can use it in a way that might sound threatening. Or might be sounding, oh, I, I really like you. You know what I mean? Right. Politicians have been doing it for years. Right. A great example is your 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 president over there, Mr. Trump. Yeah, he's a fun guy. Well, I, I had a discussion the other day. I mean, I don't mean this offensive to anybody who's listening. But I had a discussion with you today. I compare his speech, the way he, his rhetoric is, to Adolf Hitler. Not the really extreme bits, but he learned how to appeal to the masses. Learning how to say, oh no, that can't be me. Oh no, that's wrong. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, he's, he has, he knows how to speak to the masses and he knows how to make people like him. Uh, in just the right way. Yeah, when I say that to people, they say, "Oh, you can't." I say, "No, you." I say, "You look at how they, they, he must have studied it somehow. How he how he spoke to people, how he managed to, you know, I'm I'm trying to be polite. <laughs> how he managed to um, amass the people from basically being feeling like absolute crap." Because they were treated like rubbish after the First World War. We basically left them with nothing. 
And he come along and said, like, you know, come on, we'll do this, we'll do that. And they went, yeah, great. Okay, all the rest of it I don't agree with at all. But you have to, in one way, realise that's, I think that's how po- some politicians have, have learned from that. Yeah. And it just keeps happening. I always joke that uh, politicians should have to wear uh, uniforms like NASCAR racers. I don't know if you're familiar with NASCAR racing in the U.S. Yeah, 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 yeah. But their their jumpsuits have patches where they have their sponsors, right? So you can see that, you know, Pennzoil sponsors this guy and whatever. Uh, politicians should have to wear those patches on their suits so we know who's paying for them. Yeah, so yeah, it would be interesting. I don't think it will ever happen, but it's interesting. No, it won't ever happen, but it would be it would be funny and interesting to see exactly where they're getting paid from. Do Do you find that most of the groups intermix where you're with information, or do some groups like not sharing because they think, oh, if I share, you're going to go over to my secret location and film and take all my stuff. I think that it's hit or miss with groups, um, and I think that. That is the reason that the, the paranormal field may never be a respected field. Um, because there are a lot of groups, I am always happy to share whatever. You know, I find something cool and I want to share it with the world. Um, you know, come to my location and hopefully you can experience something for yourself. And I'm always about helping other teams, but I know some teams that are like, they're very nasty about it. They're like, I don't want you talking about my stuff or coming to my locations or investigating with me. Um, and I've, I've seen a lot of trash talking, which is really disappointing as well. I mean, we're all kind of in this together, fighting for the same end goal to get this research done, and everyone's fighting like little kids. Yes, and it gives it a bit of disrespect. As you say, right. people, they, they look at it online and think, oh, well, you know, if it's like that, I shouldn't bother doing it. Right, and I feel like it's it's discrediting to the whole paranormal field. If, if you have two teams arguing about evidence, uh, instead of working together to figure it out, that it just looks bad. Well, people look at it and they're going to think, oh, it can't be that good an evidence if they're arguing over it. Right, right. <coughs> It's the same, as I say, when I did, I still do cryptozoology. And we've got a thing over here called British Bigfoot. Look it up. Uh-huh. And there's a bit of a controversy about it. It's been, got a bit nasty. I don't know why, because basically my theory is like everything. You get 100 reports going. 80% of them you can debunk quite easily. No problem. But there's always that 20% you cannot... You go over it and over it and over it, and you think, well, I can't, I can't see what this is. Yeah, it's the same way. Uh, and I don't understand why people have to be so nasty about it. If we could work together, maybe we could find some new amazing technology that allows us to actually speak to the dead in real time or, you know, something super cool like that. But we're all just going to argue back and forth about whose camera is better or who got to go to this certain location. <laughs> well, I think we've got, the, I think we've got potential. 
I look at it this way. I've, I've said this before in other podcasts. So I'll mention it to you. Um, you you look at Remembrance Day. Everybody stops for two minutes. Well, most people stop for two minutes, and the whole world is all joined in one for respect to the the people that died in wars and the innocents, and both on both sides. And we're all joined as one. So if you look down, if you was an alien or a spiritual being, looked at that, that particular moment, you'd be really impressed with the human race. Yeah, the disappointing thing is that it, it only happens for two minutes. And then that two minutes has to be prompted. Somebody has to tell us. Yeah, that's the downside, but I still think it's a good thing. It is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they do, I don't know if this is a thing over where you're at, but we do a National Ghost Hunting Day. Oh, yes, yeah, so I've, I've seen that, yeah. September 29th. September 29th. Yeah. I talked to um, the lady, but, um, oh, Geister Maria Smite, 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 Smite. Yeah, I've talked to her, and she told me about that. And I'm going to try to do a little bit of po- a podcast on that day. I'm thinking of like trying to either find ghost stories or ghost events, or or do the you know the typical Victorian ghost stories that like Charles Dickens and right. used to do. I mean, I know they're, they're stories, but I like the way they were told. Because when you, when you, I mean, the most famous ghost story that everybody likes is Scrooge. Right. And we all watch it, yeah. but nobody ever discredits it. No one says, oh, no, there's no such thing as ghosts. Because he has three ghosts in the story. That's, that is right. the, the, the whole major thing of the storyline. Now, what inspired him to write about three ghosts? So I have this theory that all all myths, all stories, uh, they all come from some sort of truth somewhere down the line. Of course they do. Had an experience. Um, I was arguing. I was arguing with this guy about the existence of vampires. Oh yes, uh, Vadim and Paler, and that yes, that's yeah. that, that's where it stemmed from. I mean, you go to places like Romania, or further eastern blocks. And they do put garlic around the windows, crosses on the doors. They don't. Oh yeah, absolutely. They, you, and it all it all stems from that that you know something was coming into their villages and killing their people many many years ago, and that was that was the story that they came up with to to cure that problem, to figure it out. Now I don't believe in vampires, <laughs> like movie vampires that they have today. No, 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 no. But but you now have you noticed something? Have you seen people with cat like teeth? Do you know what I mean? Now I'm wondering if now we don't take no notice of it. Perhaps back then when they saw people with these cat like teeth, which do do look a little bit like fangs, if you are Perceiving about vampires. Right. Well, so I'm also 
I also work in a dental office as well, so I've seen a lot of different types of teeth. Um, but yeah, there are people out there that have extra pointy canines that could be confused as fangs. Um, and another thing uh, about the vampires is um, they would talk about their hair and their skin growing after death, after they would exhume the bodies, and it would—it's actually from their their flesh drying out and pulling away from their fingernails and their hair follicles, which makes it appear to be growing. And same with their teeth. Their teeth appear to be growing and looking longer because their tissue is drying out. As I say, it's all about misconceptions at the end of the day. Right. Uh, I like the fact that we still believe in myths and legends. I, I, I don't think there's nothing wrong with that. Of, of everything. I mean, just like the cryptozoology, there's, I mean, there are so many places on this earth that we haven't even discovered. Uh, the deep oceans and places in the mountains no one's been to. I mean, who's to say that there aren't all of these crazy cryptids running around that we haven't even discovered? Oh my god, yes, there's. there's... See, people just think about the monster side. That's the main. That's the that's the glory bit. But what we say is, when you find a different species that's never been found before, that's a form of cryptozoology. See, cryptozoology is a science as such. It's not a recognised science, but I think it will be at one one day. I think it will be a recognised science because you have to be part zoologist, part researcher. Part explorer, you have to be everything all at once. Right. I mean, not myself. I, I'm, I'm just a, a student. I wish I could do it, but I, I'm, I can't. But I, I do this instead. So it's a, it's a form of me getting to know people and getting other people out there. It's very interesting. Uh, I hope one day to have the opportunity to travel around the world and experience some crazy crazy wildlife oh there's some really weird and wonderful things out there that yeah if you open your eyes you'll you, i mean you've only got to see these documentaries and they sometimes cause to come across things in the jungle that they've never seen ever in their life it's like a new species of fish like well how could that be possible right it's it's always possible it's a bit like the paranormal world. Everything's possible if you want to think it's possible. We're not saying the ghost is going to come in and go, Hello, I'm called Fred. How are you? That probably might not happen yet. It might not. Although I wish that I, I could just sit them down and talk to them. I have, I have this weird relationship in a location that I go to quite often. Um, and it's turned into this research project, which... Uh, you actually had commented on one of my Facebook posts when I was looking for Viking alphabets. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. On the thing, yeah. Um, but I just, like, I get one word at a time, and then it's three weeks later, and I get another one-word answer or a yes-no answer, and I just want to sit them down and be like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> well, you see, 
Vikings are very, again, they're very misunderstood. In history, they blokes, see blokes that come along, raped and pillaged and buggered off. But that is not the truth. The truth is they were great settlers and left behind masses of art and influences in the English language. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love Viking history. It fascinates me. Um, and I've been told that that was one of my past lives was uh, as a Viking uh, shield maiden. Well, you never know. It could be true. I mean, I, I'm, 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 uh, who am I to doubt it? Yeah. Right. I don't know. They could just be feeding me full of baloney. Who knows? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's very fascinating. Now, if people want to come out and look at your uh, research or want to look at your pictures or help you out in any way, do you want to give out a link of any sort? Yeah, absolutely. Um, everyone can find us on Facebook. Uh, my Facebook page is Paranormania. And so far, I'm about the only person that can say it correctly. <laughs> it is a hard word um, to say, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so jump on Facebook to Paranormania. You can search us. I'm also on Instagram. Um, you can find me at Paranormania on Instagram. And yes, you put a lot of pictures there as well. Yep. I've got photos and we go, we do live streams from our investigations. Um, and uh, just a lot of paranormal research and I really try to support other teams and there's some fun stuff and giveaways and all that kind of stuff on there too. Yeah, I think that's important. I, and I, I like to say you come across as a very intelligent and articulate person. Well, thank you. Well, you know, I, like, I like to be polite. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, brought up that, I was brought up that way. My granddad would tell me off if I wasn't polite. Now, I'd, I'd like to do an, a, a sign-off, if that's okay. Sure. <clears throat> Are you ready? I've just got to blow my nose. Yeah. I'm very sorry about this. <clears throat> <clears throat> Thank you, Sarah, for being on my show. I like to chat about paranormal, you know. I look forward to seeing your posts on Facebook, you know. And thank you very much for being on my show. That was very wonderful. Thank you.